0: Hello and welcome to Samphor and Cut, a podcast for developers about building great products. Today I'm excited to welcome Justin Sorles. Justin, thank you
1: so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. For anyone not familiar with me and what I do, I am the co-founder and current CTO of a software agency called Test Double. I myself am a lifelong consultant. I came out of college and I worked at a big consultancy and I got to work on a lot of big 2 year 2 million dollar projects and you know financial institutions and public sector organizations and slowly kind of worked my way down to smaller and smaller teams and through all of my various experiences as a consultant i have learned all kinds of ways that project teams fail to you know hit deadlines or struggle to make high quality systems and code and the pressures that they're under from their leadership, as well as just struggle to communicate and to develop shared values and normalize on conventions and approaches are so overwhelming and yet tend to be underappreciated, I think by an industry that sort of tries to oversimplify what software development is as a kind of metaphor for some sort of industrial or manufacturing process that can just be very easily distilled down and automated, that I have sort of been on a mission to... Surface and dig up all the ways that software lets people down. (laughs) Like, if you follow me on Twitter, you just see me posting bugs left and right. And that's not to dunk on any one developer, but it's more to just say, like, we are in a pretty broken industry in myriad ways. And we all need to both build awareness around that, but start to think together about, like, what can we do to make it better? And so, even though I can kind of be a cynical person by nature, I think that the only way forward is to have a Pragmatic and optimistic lean towards figuring out creative solutions to just keep the industry moving. And even in the small, ourselves as individuals and the teams that we work on, on a path towards continuous improvement while we get the work done that we're asked to do every day. And so, you know, that's led me to focus on lots and lots of the sort of secondary tasks that developers are tasked with, like operations and you know developer tooling and testing you know agile process and helping product owners best you know articulate the needs that they have a lot of the stuff that's like you know maybe outside a you know particular algorithm or composition of like a basic thing of code how do we solve all of these other secondary and tertiary concerns so that's where I've spent most of my time and I'm just glad to have the opportunity to speak with you today darko about you know some of those kind of big rock problems that people face
0: yeah thank you for that great introduction i'm going to also use the opportunity to introduce us through the topic so yeah we have been doing this cicd business for last almost 10 years and yeah particularly in the last couple of years we are very lucky having some very successful clients and we are a team of 20 30 developers doing something have some you know strategies and common understanding how we do things and so on and then you know some success hits us and we have to scale to 100 200 developers in super short period of time like literally year year and a half you know multiply the size of a team by five and that's amazing we love having those customers but we also find ourselves in a position where we want to help those people and they are facing various challenges regarding the health of their test suite scaling of their test suite flaky and brittle tests are also in that category and generally just leveling the expertise levels and the technical maturity of the team as a whole so a lot of things that justin is seeing day-to-day helping clients we are also seeing from a bit different angle in perspective So we aligned to tackle like the hardest topic of all, how to make sure that as applications are growing, as teams are growing, some good practices are in place. And some of those hardest challenges regarding maintaining the health of application, health of the test suite are being leveled up or at least maintained and not falling down.
1: So yeah, where exactly to start? You touched on something that's really important, which is a lot of companies find success, SaaS products especially, the marginal cost of onboarding a new customer is typically nearly zero. And that means that if you have a really good review, like a publication like The Verge or something, and you get a sudden influx of thousands of paying customers, you know the endorphin spike of that success is very temporary because the very next thing that you're thinking about is... I got to scale up now i've got to scale up support i've got to make sure that this thing is able to handle the increase in volume and because the marginal cost of acquiring new customers is almost nothing i think that it's led our industry to make a fallacious assumption that we can just linearly scale up all these other things like That might be true of like aws resources up in the cloud we can like you know scale the server count and the cpu count and the amount of ram on a little slider but the idea that you're going to take human beings and just increase a team from 25 people to 100 people in a real rapid way that requires a lot of care and communication and normalization around everything from bedrock values to the principles that like you know governed how the system was built in the first place to the extent that there are any to just normalizing on approach like how do we work as people what do we value what do we see as being a return on investment for a test or what's our approach for internationalization or what are our basic standards for accessibility Or just how do we get along as people and how do we divide up the work in a way that we're not stepping on each other constantly? Like these are things that take a lot of time and a lot of care, but it's difficult to get into that headspace if I'm a business owner or just a manager and I feel like everything's on fire immediately because we just, you know, happen to get lucky (laughs) and find the right thing. It's finally it's the big moment, it's the big times, and now I need to figure out how do I solve a thousand things at once.
0: semaphore now understands your tests with the new test reports feature your team now has a unified report of all the parallel jobs in your ci cd pipeline get a single test report for the whole pipeline see filtered and skip tests on the test dashboard and find the slowest tests in your test suite learn more at semaphoreci.com test reports One thing that we see, and we can dig further from there, is that architecture of the application maybe is not made in such a way that it can support now a team of a hundred people and that going from as you said from twenty five to hundred that's very, very common, and the period is usually around a year and what we see on our side is that you know people just struggle to make sure that they have a reliable ci cd pros in place and we are here to help what ends up being part of the problem is just the architecture the architecture of the test suite that testing pyramid that usually gets you know inverted there are hundreds if not thousands of very very expensive tests that are unfortunately in most cases like not needed and people just struggle to scale, let's say CI/CD, along with their teams and their architecture. And then there are like other things that happen, of like you know, re-architecting things now that we just met, you know, as a team, and so on. So I want to hear your thoughts on this, you know, scaling of application made by a team five times smaller than the team which now has to run with it.
1: Yeah, there's two big things. And I think to people who maybe listen to this podcast who think about this a lot, both of these might be very familiar. But the first that comes up very often when I'm talking to technology leaders who are in this situation is I often find myself referring to Conway's law, which is not really a directional law so much as a bi-directional phenomenon that you can just observe, which is that Our technical systems tend to reflect the human organizations that create them. That is not a rule to follow. It's just a sort of imperative that tends to happen. And so, if your application has lived for seven years, and maybe it spent the first five years in the wilderness of just five to 10 people working on it, the code, the systems, from the architecture of the code, how the tests are written, to like the operational infrastructure in place to run it, is going to be optimized for both a team that size of five to 10 people, as well as the individual proclivities and the dynamic and the chemistry of that five to 10 people. There's a transmission that kind of happens as we encode, you know, our preferences and our patterns of behavior into the things that we automate. And if that team then grows from five to 10 people to hundred people over the course of a year, it's a growth spurt that like has no analog in biology, right? Like nothing grows 10 times in just 5% of its life. (laughs) And so you have to think of it as Conway's law is a constraint where the speed at which the system can catch up to the organizational change is going to be limited. And that means that essentially we all have to be mindful of any incongruity or mismatch between our human structure and the technical architecture that we have in place. And that means that like, if we have like a monolithic application, like to your point, where maybe every test by default just uses a browser and goes through the full stack of everything just to make sure you're like, Hey, does this feature work and lights on lights off, you know, maybe I've got a separate browser test for every single resource in my kind of CRUD application of like create, read, update, destroy. And as I make You know, a new one, I always add a new test. And when there's just, you know, five or six resources, like maybe that just takes a minute. But then if there's like, you know, suddenly I'm looking at a hundred controllers and I've just scaled linearly, that kind of thing, the system gets slower and the tests get more numerous. That means that even like tests that used to run in a second now take two seconds to run. And so as the system gets bigger, everything takes longer and it actually grows super linearly in my build time. And it can sneak up on you. Like if you go and do the math and actually graph build times over time, which I'm sure Darko that you had that experience, you know, going from 10 tests to hundred tests, you might actually see it, the build slow down by a factor of 20, 30, 40, not 10. And that's where I think we as people, as technologists need to be mindful of the inflection point that we're in. If we're undergoing rapid growth, we need to pause and think about like, what does scaling with stability look like? And what do we have to start doing? What can we keep doing? And what do we got to stop doing as developers?
0: And what are maybe some top three patterns that you would recommend, or maybe anti-patterns that you are seeing connected to this with that application? Let's say that we are talking about monolithic application, made by 5 10 developers over the years and now there is that rapid growth
1: one of the things that is a superpower of like a batteries included framework like ruby on rails for example is that you can if you just follow the sort of cookie cutter objects that it gives you in a single controller action you can accomplish 15 different things at once you can handle of course the literal behavior of like you know updating something in the database You can handle cross-cutting concerns like logging and authorization of role. You can do error handling and you can do additional checks. You can just keep on adding lines to each of those controller actions as they get more complicated. And that is highly productive when you're starting out, but you have to be mindful of any time that you combine or you embed multiple responsibilities or reasons that that code could change down the road into a very tight little function or method or unit, it's going to create a tangle that's going to result in future people, if you've got multiple people working on it, having reasons to go into that code at the same time, which is going to lead to, you know, tests that contradict one another in separate feature branches or you're going to have version control conflicts or you're going to have unspecified behavior where you know maybe each person's tested their individual kind of corner of a piece of functionality but never really thought about it from the perspective of a stakeholder or how the system's actually used and once you get into production you realize oh there's something in the cookie in production because of our new ab testing software and no one really thought about that and so of course you know the value that like wasn't present in either of our testing environments is now somehow interacting with these other features and so the first advice that i give is to start aggressively detangling and sort of choking each of the responsibilities that any feature performs into isolated, small, well-named units that are then composed with a level of abstraction that is consistent so that you can kind of have a 30,000 foot view of what a particular feature does. And it just says on the tin, I do X and then I do Y and then I do Z. And then you can dive deeper into a tree, whether those are literal files and folders of subordinate behavior that supports that feature. As opposed to just continuing to grow longer and longer functions with more and more ifs and elses or overly clever abstractions that maybe, you know, take advantage of a lot of clever stuff like reflection and introspection to dynamically handle cases that make it harder to grep around. So I guess the first thing that I talk about is writing simpler, more obvious single purpose code.
0: Semaphore now understands your tests. With the new test reports feature, your team now has a unified report of all the parallel jobs in your CI-CD pipeline. Get a single test report for the whole pipeline, see filtered and skipped tests on the test dashboard, and find the slowest tests in your test suite. Learn more at semaphoreci.com slash test reports. I think that the majority of people, almost regardless of the framework, can end up, you know, in this situation. So I think that the advice is pretty universal, not tied to the Ruby on Rails directly, of course. And what have you seen? How this affects the testing strategy and uh, testing patterns? Because previously, as we know, as I introduced nicely, we would need to set up a lot of things, you know, whole environment in a way. And then run through that controller action that's a pretty involving thing to do and that can cause a lot of headaches along the way so yeah to go back how this affects the testing strategies
1: well i think that a way to look at it might be that when something is really really hard for us to test maybe because it requires a ton of setup or maybe because the way that we measure what's happening is necessarily indirect for example last night i was struggling because I just wrote two new gems last week, one that integrates with the uh, PipeDrive CRM, the customer relationship management tool that we use, and one that defers tasks to the end of an HTTP request so that they don't block the user from receiving their HTTP response called maybe later. And I'm using those two gems that i made in conjunction to when somebody fills out a contact form at testable.com to greet us they can immediately get a confirmation that an email will be sent to us also we can create a deal a kind of to do item i guess in our crm to make sure that we stay on top of you know responding to the person and prioritizing responses and so forth and uh, without holding up the web page but when it came time to test that now i'm like thinking about like well the maybe later gem by default you know like is asynchronous and goes to another thread and like oh this is a system test which means that like you know i'm automating a browser action from this ruby test but actually uh capybara the tool i'm using is running a puma server in a yet another thread So I've got, like, you know, a threaded server that's operating out there that's running the application, which is great, which is then spawning another thread with my new baby later gem. And what I'm trying to do is just understand, like, did my pipe drive thing get called? Yes or no? And, like, speaking of me making gems, I make a lot of gems. I made a new mocking library called Mocktail for Ruby last year which i'm really excited about so it's like oh maybe this is an opportunity to use that and then realize like oh yeah mocktail is thread safe and so i got to inline all of this stuff and so i add inline features to the maybe later gem and then i realize oh right puma's on yet another thread and so like all of that just to answer the question of like did this code get run the way that i expected from the parameters that i passed in and i could have saved myself all of that pain if i had chosen to test just one layer beneath the controllers if i just decided Hey, instead of slamming all of this behavior into a controller action, what if I just had a single class called Handles Contact Form Submission or something? And if the code is all there, then I am in control of just invoking it directly and calling it like a normal object. And I have all of the power in the world then to very, very carefully ascertain both the response that I get back and any sort of secondhand signals that it sends off. But, you know, That betrays, I think, the impulse of a lot of testers. A lot of people who are excited about testing is like they want to have a maximally realistic test. They want to know that like when I load that web page, this thing is actually happening. And that is valuable and it's worth knowing. But I think that you need to calculate the overall return on investment of the activity. Like if you're able to get to a point where each of your controller actions are all just one liners calling to normal, plain old, you know, objects that are easy to put under test with just an invocation then like, I don't know, like you can sort of just hand wave each of these sort of frameworky classes that just kind of handle the routing of stuff and call that, that's just configuration. And if that layer stops working, the website won't load. So we can probably just, you know, not have every single test redundantly exercise all of this HTTP complexity that makes everything so much more difficult for us to ascertain. Those are the kinds of trade-offs that I think a mature team can navigate but is really difficult when you're growing really quickly and you don't have that experience and you don't know what sort of negative consequences await you if you just continue to add more naive highly integrated tests in the spirit of like let's just make this as realistic as possible to be sure that things work
0: yeah and i have to add something here just a week or two ago i was speaking with um Creator of cucumber, a BDD testing framework, Aslak Helsoy. and he was coming back to exactly what you, in your example, now demonstrated that if we want to get a maximum reliability, and we also want speed, and we also want, you know, to cover a business logic and the UI and combine different things together, we will get entangled into something. There are too many constraints or too many things that we want to solve and That's how we could end up with a test suite, which is just
1: unmaintainable. Yeah. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why an interdisciplinary profession like ours, where we have a technical component and we have an interpersonal component to the work that we do as developers every single day. If it was all interpersonal, then we wouldn't have a rug under which to sweep a lot of kind of uncomfortable decisions, but because we have that technical component and because our test suite can't, you know, call us out in a retrospective meeting or can't advocate for itself that like, Hey, I shouldn't be wasting my time on this redundant action. I can choose to look at all the trade-offs like you just identified and say like, well, you know, like, let's just have our cake and eat it too, and just continue to shove all of this stuff into our test suite. And that can kick the can down the road on either or maybe a hard conversation between me and a colleague who, you know, we value different things about the trade-offs that we're making. I remember 10 years ago, back in the olden days before cloud CI was a normal thing, I had a client whose build logically took like three hours to run. It was a really, really long build. And so that wasn't fast enough feedback. They also had just hired like hundreds of developers. And so they had to decide, do we change fundamentally how we do our work? Or do we like, you know, (laughs) when I was a kid, we used to rub wax paper on slides in like playgrounds to make them go faster. Do we just rub wax paper on this build and make it go faster? The AWS was new and that's where they were running stuff. And so what they did was they just added as many AWS like instances EC2 instances as they had integration tests so basically every single cucumber test had its own instance and they just like kept those spun up all the time and so they were able to get that logical 3 hour build down to whatever the slowest individual test was and they got it down to like 20 minutes or something like that The problem then was that everyone kept working in exactly that same way, learning no lessons. And that super linear test build problem came back. And so you revisited a year later. And now if you were to actually find an ordering bug in their tests and try to run them all in order to debug that or to bisect what is this test pollution that's causing this brittleness, I think that it had gone from three hours to like 28 logical hours end to end. Because the team now had sufficiently snuffed out any real feedback about what was going on under the hood and that membrane between our human experience as we talk about what our plans are and the technology that really doesn't have a voice that we can shut up in various ways through increasingly kind of opaque tools like cloud providers. Whereas, like, people would have seen a new rack of servers coming into an ops room, right? And probably asked some questions about, like, why are we suddenly spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on CI services? When hard questions can be pushed into invisible spaces, we need to be very mindful that we are not ourselves doing a disservice to, like, you know, just dealing with the hard question right now.
0: Clear. Absolutely. And that physical component, if something can be seen with eyes or not, is one of the curses of our <laughs> craft. And now with hidden racks of servers, that's an additional element to it. I want to go back. You mentioned that one of the things that you are doing, some trainings with the teams, and you also work with, you know, Many companies that people know about, GitHub being one of them. Can you share some of your experiences and what are the situations where people invite you to come in and, you know, help them to level up their team in various ways?
1: Yeah, you know, thanks for asking that. And Test Double, our consulting agency, we've been around for about 10 years now. And we've been super fortunate in the last few years to be trusted and brought in by Engineering organizations that we truly love and respect and are doing amazing things. Companies like GitHub, Zendesk, Betterment. These are organizations that are doing great work. And it's not so much that they see that, like, you know, our engineers, when they join their team, have some capability that they lack or that they're insufficient in some way, but they just understand that there are so many facets to building great software that getting some outside perspective sometimes is necessary and is valuable, especially in a period when you just need more development capacity overall anyway. And so to your point, a lot of times a client will tap me specifically and ask me to kind of like, you know, just do an assessment of like, how are we testing or try to like think deeper about repeated systematic like failures that the team is running into that they don't have any creative solutions for. And for anyone listening, what I can say is like, no one has this stuff figured out. And I am not really sure that there is a one size fits all solution because the more that you grow as a company and the more that you choose to automate stuff to make the business run, the more that like those automations are going to be a tight fit for the particularities of your business, right? Like if you're just writing commodity code, it's not differentiating you may as well just use like some off the shelf piece of software, like us as developers, every time that a product owner is asking us to do something 99% of the time, they're asking us to invent something that's never been done before, at least not in the context of this particular business. And so we need to have a humility, you know, for example, I'm in a training with like a bunch of developers who are smarter than me. And they're looking at like, Hey, we've got all of these flaky tests and we don't know why, but like, you know, something like 2% of tests will just always fail on every given build, meaning we can never get just like sort of a clean run and a green build. And we run them out of order and we run them in a parallelized way to try to identify, you know, test pollution. But like ultimately end of the day, like what are the strategies that we can use to tackle that? And because every company has a completely different blend of services under the hood and priorities for like you know what they need to check in order to feel comfortable about deploying to production it's important that we recognize that you might as a developer feel pride in like a particular algorithm that optimizes the core thing your business does maybe it's like you know coming up with creative ways to schedule something in logistics and that's your special sauce it has to become our special sauce to think about, like how to tackle these meta problems, like an exploding CI build duration, or like the number of flaky tests. So, like it might mean that we need to actually develop bespoke tools to identify. Ah, yeah, like we need to, you know, categorize these tests are flaky, and like once you've marked it, a human marks it, and then like it goes into an optional suite, which goes into a queue, which then somebody can like, you know, take a closer look at and try to analyze for data pollution. That way, like you've taken the immediate pressure off, so that somebody who's got the clarity of mind to focus and really problem solve about each of the individual problematic tests can do that without it simply being like oh crap i got to release i got to release a hair on fire i got to you know push 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 like what can i do to shut this test up so that i can get my feature out right like responding to the particularities of your company and like the urgencies that it's under and the priorities that it has is the only way to understand you know like what kind of solution is going to work for us particularly And that might require you to develop new processes or invent new tools or new workflows that you're not gonna find in a blog or you're not gonna find an off the shelf solution for. And it's gonna take time and hard thinking and, like, you know, permission to spend, you know, and invest real time on it, even though it's maybe not, you know, a feature that a customer is gonna see. The customers and the business will benefit from a smoother, lower friction ability to deploy and deliver new software. And so it's like, we just have to <laughs> acknowledge that's part of our job as developers, and also get better at making that case to explain the value of these kinds of activities to the people that we're working with, who maybe aren't so technical or don't feel that pain as acutely.
0: Great explanation, and also I think a great insight into what technology leaders—you know, people who are leading the teams, supporting teams in a different ways—they recognize that these challenges are not something that you know they might be facing particularly in their team, but it's industry-wide problem. Just an example. Fairly often people ask, okay, are your other clients facing the same thing, facing the same challenges? And yeah, of course they are. A lot of them are dependent on you know which level of transparency, you know, we are going to discussion and so on. But yeah, all the great advices and tips. Justin, if our listeners want to learn more on these topics, related topics, what are some pointers where they can find more about you, your talks, generally your consulting work?
1: Yeah, thank you. So I tweet a lot, just kind of uh, top of mind stuff as I run into it, as my last name, Searles on Twitter. If you're looking for kind of more substantive stuff, most of the things that myself and my colleagues spend a lot of time thinking about, we've written about either at our blog, which is blog.testdouble Dot com Or we've got, you know, open source tools for us. So you can find us on GitHub and check out all of the dozens of repos of, you know, often small libraries that just like solve particular problems that we've run into at clients. And then increasingly over this year in particular, we're planning on building more kind of practical content to help developers on YouTube. So we've got a YouTube channel. It's just also under the, you know, test double tag. And I hope you follow us and stay tuned for the stuff that we're doing there because honestly sometimes i view the consulting business as a way to fund our helping developers for free in public habit <laughs> and i'm just thrilled that we get to spend the time to share some of the things that we're learning while we do the work
0: yeah great thanks for that thanks for all the tips and advices and yeah good luck
1: yeah thanks so much thanks for having me